This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. Yeah, you come to me today. You want some Parmesan? Yeah, I'll get you some Parmesan. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. 25-20, 15-10, 5 snowshoes, touchdown! Kansas City! According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpups. It's over! The Bullpups have knocked off Bishop E. H. And for the ninth time in school history, the Bullpups stand atop the state of Kansas! Everything happening in the sports world. Oh! Oh! Are you serious? Slam jam bear! Get ready for the NBA fucking contest! And even some things not happening in the sports world. So, you're saying you will not watch any episodes of The Bachelor this year? I think I'd rather have a tooth pull. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always, the most popular man in McPherson, Mr. Steve Sell. Steve, normally I'm being just a little bit sarcastic when I say worldwide. Mm -hmm. When I say listening worldwide Mm -hmm. at midkansasonline.com. Normally I'm assuming that's like countywide or just barely pushing the city limits. But this weekend, the Mid-America Classic was such a huge event that we did have people listening worldwide. We had reports from people listening at the airport in Atlanta. We had people that were reporting in and saying that they were listening to the game in Tokyo. Tokyo. Konichiwa. Tokyo. Everybody around the world. Who was in Tokyo? Well, I got a report on the Twitter, which makes me believe that, you know, I, I trust it. It was from, I believe it was from Mike Piles. He said that his brother was listening at the airport in Tokyo. And then he said he's pretty sure that he listened to a couple of the earlier rounds in Kuala Lumpur, India, or Sydney, Australia. Wow. Look at that. Worldwide. Worldwide. Well, what I wanted to respond and say was, I wish they would have just held their phone up in the air and said, all right, here we go. This is it. This is the big game. And they'd all go, oh, the Super Bowl? This is the call of the Super Bowl? They'd say, no, 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 no. Even bigger. The Mid-America Classic Championship game. Oh, yeah. But speaking of that game... A very fun weekend, Steve. It's always a fun weekend when you're able to knock off a team like Olathe South, as good as they are in the finals of that tournament. And the Bullpup Girls, after surviving a very scary performance on Friday night, turned around on Saturday night and played probably their best game of the year. And one thing that has been a theme for me with this team, my theme with the boys' team is finding ways to finish games down the stretch. Because... That's been their most important thing in games this year. But the girls' team, one of my big themes with them has been finding your identity after the Taylor Robertson era. Because when you have a player like Taylor Robertson, plus Mandy Cooks, you can make some mistakes and they can cover them up. But when you move on, who fills the holes? Who makes up for these mistakes? How do you respond in big games? And Saturday night was their first real test in a big game. The Derby game was just so early on in the year. And Derby has a McDonald's All-American on the team. And that we knew that that could be a loss. 
But Friday night against, or Saturday night against Aletha South, that was their first big test. How do you respond? Who steps up? And who makes the plays when you have a potentially season-defining win on the line? And it was everybody that stepped up. You saw so many great performances by this team. You go up and down the roster, and everybody that played on Saturday night made a huge impact in the game. And that's the thing that is so exciting going forward, is that this team found a way to beat a very good Olathe South team who was undefeated, the number three team in Class 6A. They had absolutely destroyed Manhattan the night before. And the Bullpups played their best game of the season in the game that they needed it most this year. And I think if you'd polled everybody on Media Row after Friday, I don't think too many people gave the Bullpups a chance on Saturday. No, more people were taking Olathe South. They really were because also Maggie Leaf was injured on Friday against Ulysses, starting center, was not going to play on Saturday. Olathe South looked like they could have beat anybody in the state, maybe even Derby, on Friday. They I probably mean, could have on Friday. Yeah, they dis- they beat Derby by like almost 40 points. But they beat Manhattan by I'm sorry, Manhattan 40. by almost 40. And they didn't ever let up in that game. I mean, it was a 30-point game. They were still pressing, and I don't know if there was maybe some bad blood there or something, but uh, not quite sure why they were pressing with their starters in the fourth quarter up 30. But uh, anyway... Getting back to the Bullpups, I just had a feeling on Saturday they were going to come out ready to go. And for one thing, this team never has two back-to-back games where they're not on. They weren't weren't on Friday night. And I think a lot of that's got to do with the fact they played Ulysses last year, beat them by 37 in the sub-state championship game. And we watched them five other times that year And they play terrible. And they struggle to score. But, boy, I'll tell you, Madison Haney... No, is that her name? Madison? Yes. Madison Haney really has stepped up her game for Ulysses. Uh, uh, Castellea and Ballesteros, really good guards. For those of you that weren't listening on Friday night or did not read the story at midkansasonline.com, Ulysses' best player, Madison Haney, well, she's not their leading scorer, but she's probably their best player. She goes down in the first quarter, driving to the basket, falls down, head hits the floor, and she chips a tooth. First quarter, I mean, we're three, four minutes into the game. And I think one of the dentists in town was able to go down and talk to her and say, hey, if we want to go get this fixed, we've got the piece right here. We can go fix it up. We'll put a cap on it, whatever dentists do. And she said, you think I'm leaving this game? (laughs) So somebody, I think, even offered her like some ibuprofen and said, hey, hope you feel better. And she said, I don't need that. She comes back out in the second quarter, and from then on, Scores 18 points, hits big shot after big shot after big shot, and Ulysses led almost the entire game. And going into the second half, I think it was 20 to 19, Ulysses. Then went to 27 20. Then they got up 27 20. And at that moment, I think everybody started looking around and going, All right, who's going to step up? Who's going to have that moment? And the person that had the moment at the end of the game on Friday night was Grace Pyle. Sophomore who does not start, but I would be hard-pressed, I imagine, to find somebody who is as good of a sixth man off the bench as Grace Pyle is. And no one competes like she does. I mean, she is just on a mission every time she takes the floor. So she has to step up to the free throw line and knock down two to put McPherson up by one. They then, I believe, got a turnover on a five-second call and an inbounds play, got the ball back, and she had two more free throws with about 10 or 15 seconds left. Knocked down both. They led by three. 
Ulysses kind of lollygagged up the floor and didn't really feel the urgency and didn't shoot a three until the very end, and they held on. But that was a real test of a game. And that is a sub-state type of game. That's a sub-state championship feel on a Friday night. Right. Or a state tournament opening round game where you know you're better than the team that you're playing, yeah. but they're making shots. You can't find ways to get things to go your way. Well, the Bullpups missed 18 shots in a row in that game. Right. And that was just, um, I mean, you could just see the basket shrinking. I mean, it was just, it was just going, and I mean, the ball just would not go in the basket. So then they turn around on Saturday, and I think everybody regrouped, refocused, and there was a different sense of urgency with the team on Saturday, and you could see it from the very beginning of the game by the way that they were able to take control from the very get-go of it, and they put the pressure on Olathe South. Now, the Bullpups did benefit from Olathe South getting into some foul trouble very early on in the first quarter, and some of them were real foul. Some of them, hey, they caught the right breaks. But the way that they were able to put pressure on Olathe South, and let's also note that Olathe South is not some small little five foot two, five foot four lineup across the board. Olathe South is about as impressive of a team on paper when you look at the size, the athleticism, and just the quality of athletes that they have. And McPherson got them so sped up in that first half that they were gassed. Well, and the other thing is Olathe South had not played a game in single digits all year. They'd, they'd won 10 straight games all by pretty much blowout margins. They hadn't been in this situation before, and I think they kind of panicked a little bit. And there was a little bit of panic, especially when Olathe South's best player, Danny Winslow, she got into some foul trouble. She picked up two in the first quarter. Then in the second quarter, with about four minutes left before halftime, they made a decision to put her back in the game. Yeah, because was, they, they had to. The, the game was getting away from them. They, they didn't have an option. They had to put her back in because they had no offense going. They couldn't get stops on defense. So they put her back in the game. She gets called for a third foul. And pretty much from that moment on, you could tell that the Bullpups were in control. Now, Coach Strathman told his team, you guys have to be able to stand tall if this Olathe South bunch starts to fire back, and they did. They opened up the third quarter on a 10-2 run, and then McPherson made a big shot. It was Riley Hett that knocked down a three, and that was the one that really turned the corner for them, and that was the one that kind of told Olathe South it's not going to be your night. The Bullpups held on down the stretch, and that was their most impressive win since March the 10th when they beat Bishop Miege. Oh, easily. And easily. if you take out that Miege game, it might have been their most impressive win that I've seen in these last two years. Yeah. It was as good as they've played, and they executed their game plan. And I think that's the most important thing, where you see some of the games that they play in league, where they're playing a team that they severely outmatch, somebody like El Dorado. It's very easy to break away from the game plan once things start going the wrong way and El Dorado keeps turning the ball over and McPherson keeps making layups. It's easy to break away from the plan. But you could see that plan at the state tournament last year with Labette County. They had a perfect plan to beat them in the semifinals. You saw that plan against Bishop Miege. You saw the plan a little bit against Derby, but it just didn't work. Well, it, it, make shots. It, it was a weird night. They didn't make shots. And then you saw that scouting report, the planning, the focus, and the attention to detail that not only these players have, but the staff has. And that was the difference in the game, I thought, too. Yeah, and they had four different defensive game plans that uh, they were, you know, thinking about using. If one didn't work, go to the next one. If that one didn't work, go to the next one. 
they never had to go to plan B. Plan A worked all the way through. And the only I think the only maybe detraction during the night, they're still turning the ball over probably more than they would like. And it's a team that shouldn't turn it over very much because, let's face it, it's a team basically with four guards out there. I still think Hannah Hageman, to me, the way she handles the ball, she's, she's like a guard out there even though she plays forward. Steve, you noted in your sell on sports before we started the show today, talking about the future and looking ahead to the final eight games of this season for the McPherson girls, and, and we could do it for the boys too, where we begin to look at substate and seeding. And we don't mention it a ton at the beginning of the season because there's just so much time before you get to there, but we are almost in February. And so you begin to map out and you start to think in your head, okay, how many wins do you have to get to this point? How many wins do you have to get to get here? And how many losses can you handle before you get bumped into a spot you don't want to be? And for the McPherson girls, the margin for error is very small because Mays is extremely good on the girls' side in 5A West. Mays South, they won the El Dorado tournament or wherever they were this weekend and won by 40 points in the championship game. Goddard's undefeated. You have Goddard, who is very good. You have Bishop Carroll, who finished second in the state last year. You have so many teams that are not only very talented, but they're talented with great records. Where it'd be different if you throw out a team and say, hey, they're going to be really good in the postseason. They're 13-7. and Well, there's five teams with one loss or less right now. And that's the the scary thing, is that they have to continue to keep winning. Because even if... Let's say they get to 17 and 3. Let's say they lose two games the rest of the way. They go 6 and 2. 17 and 3, and you might not be at home for a substate championship game. Right. Now, Coach Strathman has also indicated that the more wins you have, not only does it help with your home field or home court advantage, but you get to play a team that has a worse record the higher up you go. And that's the other important angle of this as well, is not only getting to be at home, but also. If there's so many very good teams at the top of 5A, that means that the bottom of the class is typically not quite as good because there are more losses to go around. So it is so important for the girls to continue to keep this pace up because and they can afford to slip once or twice, but if if they do any more than that. They play like they did Saturday. They're running the table through the regular season. They'll win their last eight. There's no doubt in my mind. Now the boys, they sit at eight and four. And they're in a little bit different of a predicament here where they are not quite thinking as much about how do we get it home for two games. Their thought now is probably how do we get it home for one and how do we get the best matchup possible once you get to substate? Because at 8-4, and four, even if they went out at 16-4, and four, it's very possible that they would not be at home for a substate championship game. Now, if upsets fall the right way and if the bracket goes right, then, hey, maybe it's just your year. But this is a team that they can afford a couple of slip-ups as well. But now they're almost playing for where do you end up on the road in a sub-state final. Well, they have two really big games that you can point to. Friday at Andale and then in February at Free State. They're probably an underdog in both of those games. Probably. But I think they can win the other six, but there's – Nothing that says they can't win those other two and go. They can. Know, they can go eight and zero the rest of the way, but like you say, their eight and zero would put them into a great spot. Their margin of error is so small. Both teams. Yeah, but the boys especially because all they do is play 
games that are five points or less, it seems like. <laughs> I mean, they don't, they're like KU. This team is so much like KU, it's not even funny. I mean, they are just like, they are just the, they are the high school version of the Kansas Jayhawks. There you go. Steve, speaking of the Kansas Jayhawks and the Kansas State Wildcats and everything else that went bad this weekend, let's take a break and talk about that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE, Jim Joyner, Steve Sell. Steve, as we look back at the weekend, the Big 12 SEC Basketball Challenge, it was probably a good day for KU and K-State to not play conference games that would determine where they would be in the standings in the Big 12 because they both went out of conference, they both lost, and both were not very impressive performances by either team. Now, Steve, I believe, picked the Big 12 and the SEC to be tied. I said 5-5. At 5-5. And I don't think I made it vocal, but I thought the Big 12 would be 6-4. And I was right. But I, I didn't get it on the record, so you can't really hold me to it. But that's what I thought it would do. I did not think Arkansas would beat Texas Tech. I actually kind of thought KU could beat Kentucky. And we can talk about that here in a minute. I knew Tennessee would beat West Virginia. Thought Ole Miss might be able to get Iowa State, but Iowa State was able to win with relative ease there. Alabama and Baylor was a good game. Baylor just won by five. The other one, Texas A&M and Kansas State, that one was ugly. So which one do you want to start with, KU or K-State? Well, let's start KU because, to me, after watching the first eight minutes of that game, you know, we were out at the tournament, so we didn't get to really see it all. It was 16-6 to KU, and Kentucky couldn't throw out the ocean. I said, these guys can't shoot. KU's in good shape. Well, game really turned. KU was so soft. I mean, they, you know, they talk about Diedrich Lawson, and yes, he's a good player, you know, gets those double-doubles, but boy, is he soft as far as defending. It just takes a little bump, and he's out of the way. KU right now is just a team with no identity, no direction. Uh, they don't shoot the ball real well. One thing, Bill Self, Bill Self has got to start recruiting some shooters again because they just don't shoot it very well. He recruits athletes and tries to make them into shooters, but they're not shooters. Kentucky, this is not a great Kentucky team. They are not a great team, but their inside guys absolutely tore KU up. And remember, I think KU needed to come with either McCormick or Lightfoot. Is there a reason other than the game plan and the game style that Lightfoot didn't play? I don't know. I have no I, idea. I didn't think I saw anything about him being and, hurt, but he did I not know, play. And I know McCormick's really not ready. He's so raw. But the way that game was playing out, they needed another big on the floor. Marcus Garrett, he looked like a toothpick out there compared to, you know, some of those Kentucky players. You know, they're going they're going with Lawson, who is basically a small forward, you know, and then four guards. And Kentucky had 6'9", 6'8", 6'8", 6'10". You know, they were throwing big bodies out there. They just absolutely destroyed KU inside. And I'm really concerned about this KU team. I just don't see this KU team ever putting it together this year. There's just 
The light has not gone off, and I don't see the light going off. LeGerald Vick, he's out there just for himself. He's out there seeing how many threes he can make. He takes really kind of ridiculous shots. The freshman guards are up and down. Diedrich Lawson, yes, he, he's putting up really great numbers, and if it weren't for him, they'd probably have about six or seven losses. Uh, Marcus Garrett can't shoot. I mean, it's just it's painful to watch him shoot. He does a he good job. He was jo- one for nine from the he field. He does a good job of getting to the basket, but he cannot shoot. I mean, he couldn't shoot. You know, he we got some bullpup boys that shoot it better than he does. I mean, they could light him up in a game of horse. But right now, this is a KU team. Yes, they may win the Big 12, but they're going to do absolutely nothing in the NCAA tournament. K-State, they had a stinker on Saturday afternoon playing at Texas A&M, who I thought was going to be a relatively easy win for them. Texas A&M came in at 7-10. and 10. They had not been very good at any point this year. And K-State showed its weakness looking ahead to the tournament and assuming that they will continue to play well and make it, which I believe oh, yeah. that which They'll I believe they will. Oh, sure. But this is a K-State team that if they do not shoot the ball well, which they're not a great shooting team anyway, but if they don't shoot it well for their standards, then they are in big trouble. Well, if Barry Brown's not great, they're in trouble. Barry Brown has to be great every game for them. He was not good on Saturday, and it showed, and the other guys are just – you know, Dean Wade had. A, I think Dean Wade was pretty decent. Seventeen points, seven rebounds, but he had to take a ton of shots. Barry yeah. Brown was was three for nine from the field. Kamau Stokes took a ton of shots. He only had eight points. That this is a team. What did my man Xavier Sneed do? Xavier Sneed, or I'll call him Xavier. Okay. Two points, one out of six from the field, zero for four from three in twenty-seven minutes. Can't win when not good enough. When he scores two points, but this is a Kansas State team that I think has been very frustrating for Wildcat fans because they don't know what they're going to do ever. Where at least with KU, you have a pretty good feel of how they're going to play every game, and you have a pretty good feeling of how they will project into a tournament and what can happen with them down the stretch. And Steve, even though you are not high on the Jayhawks, you have a pretty good feeling they'll win the Big Twelve. But this is a K State team that when they're on. Man, they're good. Yeah. When they're not on, oh man, that hide the women and children. They're so bad. Yeah. They, so, they've they've really in their losses they've really been bad and and they've got to do it this year. Wade Stokes, uh, Barry Brown, they're all seniors. They don't do it this year, boy. Because the future next year does not look very good for K State. I'll say that unless they really have a banner recruiting year. Is this going to be one of the worst years? in the Big 12 over the last 10 years, combined as a whole with the league, and how competitive... Now, it might be a competitive season where the teams are much closer than they normally are and you're they, they beat each other up a little bit. Right. How they rank amongst other conferences and other teams. I don't think they'll have anybody go very far. Because I, I don't know if this is a very strong conference yet. The one team that really might do something in the NCAA tournament is Iowa State because they can score. They can really score. And they can shoot. Yeah. And when they're on... They're very hard to beat. But I just, I mean, KU's probably got the best chance to get to the Sweet 16, but to me, that's as far as that team's going to go. I I could see them maybe winning two in the NCAA tournament, but unless they can get their act together and get, it doesn't look like a team that likes each other very much. (laughs) I mean, and maybe I'm way off base. Or maybe a Silvio de Sosa can change some things too. this, This team just doesn't look like, you know, they don't you don't see a lot of interaction on the court. They don't play with a lot of enthusiasm. 
It's almost like they're playing not to lose instead of going out to win. But I just, I just, I don't like the body, you know me, body language. Oh yeah. I just don't like their body language. I mean, look, Gerald's never going to have good body language. He's just, he's just all about himself. But the other guys, Dotson, he, you know, Grimes just looks lost. Dotson looks perpetually mad. I thought you were going to say perpetually confused, and I said, huh, I wonder what that looks like. Yeah, well, you see that every day sitting across <laughs> from you. But, you know, Dotson, and then, you know, Lawson looks like he's exhausted all the time. I mean, he just looks. I know the look of exhausted, too. Oh, yeah. The I guy across from me. Yeah, but he just looks exhausted all the time. Now, Marcus Garrett plays with a lot of passion, but, you know, I just I don't understand why Mitch Lightfoot isn't playing. I just don't understand because, good, you know, he's 6'8". You know, he can jump. He can block shots. What is – he must really not be playing well in practice. That's all I can can say. I'm just starting to watch the Big 12 and watch the standings and see these teams, and I'm starting to think that this is not a very good league this year. No, it's not. And when you – the thing that really hurts them is the teams like West Virginia, who have been so good. They're 1-6 and six and 9-11 and 11 overall. So West Virginia almost cannot make the tournament Oklahoma, at this point. Oklahoma State's not very Oklahoma good. Oklahoma State is down. They've got about seven healthy people on scholarship. Then you've got Texas, who has been a fringe team, and I don't think that they can get in unless they really yeah, play but well. Yeah, they're going to beat KU tomorrow night in Austin, and that's going to get them Ooh. back in the. That's going to get them back in the uh, picture. Oklahoma is a team that their overall record is good enough right now, but they're three and four in the Big Twelve, and they're starting to trend the wrong direction. Yeah, so they played great on Saturday. So Oklahoma, TCU, Iowa State, those teams. I, I, I don't. I don't know what to expect from them yet. The top half of the Big 12, I, I feel pretty confident that they, they will all make the tournament and they will be fine. KUK State, Baylor, Texas Tech, probably Iowa State. But the rest of the field, they of, are going to have to really work hard. A lot hard. of 7, 8, 9, and 10 seeds from what I see. All right, Steve, let's take one more break. We're back after this. You're listening to According to Jim on 96.7 FM KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by... Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Wrapping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. Steve, did you watch any of the Pro Bowl yesterday? Well, is, that, I, is that an event that is entertaining to you? When I saw him play tag, and I saw they had, like, Ezekiel Elliott was playing on defense, what a joke. Do away with it. Just shoot it, put it out of its misery. That's not an event that I've ever really enjoyed. Now, do you like the MLB All-Star game? Yes. What about the NBA All-Star game? Do away with it. It's a joke. Why? What's different between the MLB All-Star game and then NBA or the Pro Bowl in your mind? Well, the MLB, I mean, they're, there's, you know, you can't slack in a major league base. You can't just go up there and, like, lollygag at the plate. You got you know, you're trying to hit the ball, and you're trying to win. Those guys don't care in the, in, in the Pro Bowl or the NBA game. They don't really care. I mean... No one guards in the NBA All-Star. What was the score? Was it two years ago or last year? It was 188 to 186. Are you kidding me? Well, the thing I do like about the NBA game is that the NBA is such an offensive league. 
to where it is still fun to watch those guys make shots and throw down dunks and go yeah, away and it, transition and throw it off the fun, backboard. Is it any fun just to watch them? An outlet pass, got a defender standing there and waving at the guy. He says, go ahead. Dunk. I think that's more fun than watching Patrick Mahomes throw 10-yard outs to Eric Ebron. Well, I, I think that's a whole lot more fun to watch I, than I that. think they need to do away with both of them. The other thing that I didn't like about the Pro Bowl is you're just sitting around watching Patrick Mahomes play, and it reminds me of the Chiefs season where I'm going, please don't get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> please don't get hurt. Yeah. Where the NFL, there is still contact. And there were two players that got hurt. That it just it just scares me to death. Yeah, that's why they need to do away with it. Because a lot of those guys haven't played for like six, you know, four weeks. They're not in game shape. They as soon as the regular season was over, they've probably been snarfing down hamburgers every day. And I would beer. I would be very surprised if they were snarfing down hamburgers and drinking beer every day. Well, I wouldn't surprise. They're, me. they're getting paid too much money. They've got too many personal trainers. Now, Steve, sometimes your off-season regimen is more like that. Snarfing down a hamburger every day, drinking seven or eight beers here at work. I don't drink seven or eight beers. It's, it's pretty wild. I couldn't even tell you the last time. I probably drank seven beers in two years combined almost. What'd you say? that You, you went and bought some Bud Light or Miller Light or something, and it's still in your fridge from like five years ago? No, I didn't say that. Well, I've, I've seen the, the little mini fridge that Steve has in his back office. It's just... I don't, stocked all the time. I don't have a mini fridge. Oh, you can keep telling the people that, but well, I don't. You know, once Steve hits five o'clock and he's ready to go out to the golf course. Oh, woo! I'm at the golf course long before. Five. Woo! I I don't. Steve's I, a woo girl. I do not have. I do not drink beer when I play golf <laughs> or work. Or we'll, work. We'll, we'll, right. we'll get clear on I that. I basically don't drink beer period anymore. Well, we'll 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 make you work on it. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Extend my life expectancy. Well, do you really want to live all that much at like 110? you got to really live it up at, at 60, well, I figure 60 I get to, to 70. One, I'll see how I feel at 105 and then... I think you can make it to 105. Man, I, I feel confident in you. Now, you got to watch that bleeding ulcer, but yeah, other than that, I think you're going to make it. And at 103, you'll call McPherson's 50th state basketball championship. Ooh. That would... Let's see. How many have I seen? I've seen... Uh, all but three, so the boys have won, what, 13? Yes. So I've seen 10 of the boys, and I've seen all the girls. So nine. 19. How about we get you up to 30? Well, maybe. We can do that. Yeah. All right, Steve, we got a busy week coming up. Smoky Valley in action tonight. I'm going to go check them out. We've got the Bullpups at home against Collegiate tomorrow. We'll talk about that. Matt College Basketball will be at home on Wednesday. We are just very busy this week, and it's going to be another Busy, busy week at midkansasonline.com as well. Always is. All right, wrapping up today's show. For Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.